What's up, everybody? Coming to you on this Friday, the 13th edition of Catfish on Ice with your host, Chad Minton. It's episode 204. Thank you for watching on YouTube right now. Hit subscribe below. We really appreciate it. Throw me a comment. Got some things to get into get into today for you. The Predators are coming off their first win of 2023-24 with a outstanding full-team effort win. Three-nothing shutout over the Seattle Kraken. Not an easy opponent to shut out. Not an easy opponent to score against, as we saw. Going to unpack that game. Going to talk about what really stood out. Some big moments. Some players that really stood out, of course. Going to look at that game. As I just said, it's Friday the 13th. So, going to have a little Preds history lesson here. Five different players in Predators history have worn the dreaded, unlucky, Number 13 on their sweater. Going to talk about those players. And of course, we know the current player that wears that jersey number. And that is Yakov Trenin, better known as Yak Attack. So we're going to look at that. And also some current players that wear that number. And also, I completely nerded out here and even looked up the history of the number 13. And why is it so lucky, unlucky? So, I bet you can't wait for that. Going to also do the Central Division Rundown. A lot of news going on around the division. Also, want to tell you a little bit about my experience at the season opener where the Predators played at the Tampa Bay Lightning this past Tuesday. It was an incredible experience despite the results. Even though the Predators did lose that game, it was definitely top five best live hockey game experience I've ever had. Going to tell you a little bit about that. That's what we got in store for you. Episode 204, everybody. Thank you for joining on YouTube. And also, thank you for following us on X and on Facebook, on Instagram, and all of that good stuff. Really happy to have you here with me. Again, your host, Chad Minton. Let me open up the episode here, telling you about the experience I had at the season opener at Tampa Bay. Of course, as many of you know, I live right across the bay from Tampa in St. Petersburg. Went with a buddy of mine who is a big Tampa Bay Lightning fan. We got down there early. The local puck drop was at 5.30. Got down there a few hours beforehand. And there was a huge, just like the Predators do at Bridgestone Arena, there was a huge celebration going on outside with festivities. And it was a lot of fun. Totally, totally recommend coming down here for a hockey game if you're ever in the area. Uh, Either to see the Predators play here next season or if they play in the Stanley Cup against each other, which probably won't happen. But either way, even if it's not against the Predators, if you can ever come down here and catch a lightning game, I highly recommend it. Went to a really, really cool bar that's synonymous with going for pregame activity. It's called Hat Tricks. Highly recommend going there if you haven't been there before. If you have been there, shoot me your experiences there at the comments. But it's, it's of course, a hockey bar. It's called Hat Tricks. Tons of lightning memorabilia everywhere. Hockey on all the screens was just really awesome. Uh, and I was the only Predators fan in this place. And this place was packed to the gills. And wearing the mustard yellow jersey, yeah. I Let's just say I stood out a little bit. Got a lot of looks. But I got to say, it wasn't my first experience on the road as a road team fan representing the Predators. I've been to... Um, a handful of hockey arenas on my bucket list have a ton to knock out still, but definitely was a little unsettling 
was definitely looking over my shoulder, looking for fellow Predators fans. Did not see them in this infamous bar called Hat Tricks, but it was cool. We sat down, had a couple beers, talked to some cool Lightning fans. They had nothing really bad to say about the Predators. They literally said, we hope we have a good game today, and we just beat you by a little, little just that much. But for the most part, all the, the Lightning fans were very gracious, very welcoming. Then we got to saw Big Boy live on stage. You know Big Boy from Outcast. That was a lot of fun. I mean, just that's just like bonus right there. I mean, I'm getting ready to see the first hockey game of the year, and I get to see Big Boy perform from Outcast. So that was awesome. They had beer specials throughout the plaza. There were all this stuff going on, and then we went into the game. Talked to some fans, some Lightning fans throughout the game, throughout my phone, and just talked to this one guy who's a diehard Tanner Janot fan now who's – we know how much people love Tanner Janot, and now he's a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning, so we talked to him and also talked to another guy who is actually a Predators fan. That's his backup team after the Lightning. So I shared that on my social media on X. Go follow me at Chad underscore Minton on X, and you can see some of those fun fan videos that I shared during the Tampa Bay Lightning game. Of course, the Predators fell 5-3. That penalty shot really killed them. But um, some penalties in the third period piled up on them a little bit. And some questionable calls, of course. But it was a toe-to-toe game. Could have gone either way. That third period was just insane, especially the first few minutes. You saw Parson puts the Predators ahead, 2-1. to one, And all the momentum felt like it was in the Predators' favor. I can tell you the fans in the arena were um, – there was just this huge gasp when the Predators took the lead. But as we know in hockey, the momentum can be – stolen back from you very quickly. That's what happened, and the Predators had a hard-fought loss. Let's shift to the most recent game, though. Let's open with what happened last night. It was the Predators' season opener against the Kraken, another really tough team. We know the Kraken play a very physical game. They bruise you. They beat you up. They throw lines one through four at you. They don't make anything easy. So this was going to be a really, really big test for the Predators' new-look offense, their up-tempo, fast-paced offense. And i got to tell you, from start to finish, the Predators really, really employed their game plan to a T, and eventually they broke through. Got to throw a lot of credit to Philip Grubauer, the goalie for the Kraken, who kept the Predators off the board early on. And then also, UC Soros did a great job of keeping the Kraken off the board in that first period. The first period was very much a goalie duel, both teams – got shots on goal, and you were just waiting for the first team to strike. It felt like it was going to happen any minute, and it took a little bit. It really did, and um, it was one of those things where which goalie was going to crack first, and you're looking at that first period there, shots in that first period. Let me pull it up here. It was 15-12 in favor of Nashville. So Nashville gets 15 shots on goal in the first period, doesn't get a goal. And so now you're automatically thinking, man, are the Predators going to get rewarded for all this hard work they're doing? Or is the second period going to be one of those situations where they take a step back in the crack and get a couple goals and then you're just in a lot of trouble? Didn't happen that way. I will say the way the second period opened up, though, you get a five-on-three power play and you don't connect there. I was a little worried at that moment when the Predators didn't get that first goal with a five-on-three power play, but they kept plugging away. They kept peppering Grubauer with shots, and then the Kraken actually had more trouble getting across the Predators' defensive front. They only get four shots on goal in that second period, and then what do you know? 
He's he's about to turn 30 years old. He I've been very vocal when I say that this player is one of my favorites on this current Predators team and in Predators history, and that is Colton Sissons. I've always respected his game, his two-way game, his quiet leadership, how he plays his role for this team, and it's a it's sometimes it's a a role that goes unnoticed. But this dude is such an important part of this team. I've said that so many times on this podcast. And he breaks loose, shows that he's still got some wheels to him, shows that he's still got a little offense to give this team, breaks loose on a shorthanded breakaway chance, and hits the backhand to beat Grubauer. Now, break down this play here. Got to show credit where credit's due. Cole Smith finds a streaking Colton Sissons down the middle of the ice. He leads him. He hits the pass perfectly across two Seattle Kraken players, and Colton Sissons chases the puck down, has to outmuscle Ellie Tolvanen. Everyone knows that name. Has to outmuscle Ellie Tolvanen to get the puck and get the shot off, and he beats Grubauer. The Bridgestone Arena crowd goes nuts. Colton Sissons goes nuts, as he should. And the Predators finally break through and get that first goal of the game. We go into the third period. It's still a one nothing game. You still feel like eventually the Kraken are going to figure out a way to beat Soros. It's so hard to get shutouts these days in the NHL. We know that. But the Kraken are one of those teams that are a little limited offensively compared to some of these other flashy teams in the Western Conference, like the Avalanche and like the Oilers. So we were just kind of waiting to see if the Predators could hold strong. But you felt like the Kraken were eventually going to get at least one goal in this third period and tie it up. And then it was going to be all about who could finish strong. But you go into the third period here, and it only it takes half the third period. It's still a one nothing game. But eventually the Predators give you that team effort goal. It's a full team effort goal. And eventually the puck ends up on Gustav Nyquist's stick. And he gets a really, really crafty, veteran crafty goal, a deflection goal, a pinball goal towards the side of the net from Grubauer's left side. Bounces it off a guy. Grubauer had no chance. It was such a weird goal. But it was a crafty goal. Nyquist knew what he was doing, gets the goal, puts the Predators up 2-0. Gustav Nyquist, his first career goal in a Predators uniform. And then... Eventually, to salt this one away, Yuso Parsonen gets the empty net goal, puts it away. I was worried. I was going to be so, so upset and so salty if Soros had his shutout spoiled in this one. We've seen it happen before where Soros has had a shutout spoiled late in the game. Doesn't happen here. Soros gets his 21st career shutout. 21st shutout. That ties him with Tomas Vokun on the Predators' All-time list. I'm going to throw you a softball here, Preds Trivia. Who leads the National Predators in shutouts all-time? If you get this one wrong, um, you're going to have to really check your Preds fan card here. Of course we know who it is. It's the GOAT. It's Pecorino. He's got 60 career shutouts. So, Saros is a third of the way there to catch the GOAT in shutouts. But 21st career shutout for Saros. He only faces 23 shots, but you know what? He had to be really, really strong in that first period, and that he was. And I want to share the quote from the the team's website regarding – let me get to it here. Don't want to mess up the, the quote. But all the players were very, very thankful to what Soros gave them in that first period. It's not always about how many shots you face – 
Uh, it's really about key moments in the game. And the key moment of that game, the key, really the turning point was that first period and Soros making 12 saves in that first period and some very, very difficult saves. So this was from Ryan McDonough. Um, he told the team's website after the game, quote, he's a, as consistent as they come. He's a complete battler, a gamer. He never gives up on a puck and he's just an incredible worker and backbone of our team for sure. Backbone of the team. There you go. Ryan McDonough says it there about how important Soros was in this win. And it's always important to this team. Let's just because this team is now an more of an offensive aggressive team does not mean we forget about you. So you see Soros and how he is still the backbone of this team as Ryan McDonough calls him. And so now diving deeper into Soros and his 21st shutout, as I said, he ties Tomas Vokun with that, uh, Soros achieves this tie with Vokun in 95 fewer games than Vokun did it. So that's pretty impressive right there. And then if you dive even deeper to it, Soros is well behind Rene's pace of 60 shutouts. I will say that Soros is going to have to really pile on the shutouts in the next season or two to catch up to Pekka's insane pace of shutouts that he had to end up with 60 career shutouts. So now you look at the top five all-time list for shutouts on the Predators list. Pecorine with 60, Saros with 21, Vokun with 21. And then our guy Chris Mason is at 12, and then Dan Ellis has 10 shutouts to round out the Predators' all-time list for shutouts. So there you have it there. Cool stuff. Also, to throw back Chris Mason into this, was shared from the NHLPR department. This is only the second time in Predators history that they've had a shutout in the home opener. The other to do that was in 2007, and that was also Chris Mason. It goes down as only the second shutout of the NHL season so far. I know we're only three three days into the season, but uh, you've got Soros with a shutout, and you've got Philip Gustafson with a shutout. He gets a shutout against the – let's see. Who did he get the shutout against? I'm already blanking on that one. Against the Florida Panthers. So Gustafson for the Minnesota Wild gets a shutout versus the Florida Panthers. Those are your two shutouts so far early, early, early on in the NHL season. In fact, some teams haven't even played their first game yet. The Coyotes make their season debut tonight in the Central Division. So there you have it there. Awesome stuff. Let's move along here. We're in episode 204 of Catfish on Ice, about to get into this Friday 13th. Friday the 13th theme, and all of the Preds who have wore number 13 in the team history. You've got five players who have wore number 13, the unlucky number, as they call it. And I tried to get the history behind number 13 and why it's considered unlucky, and really no one knows for sure. There are There have been some studies done. The History Channel is not even – quite pinpointed but it's all tied into friday the 13th and of course it's also muchly tied into what part of the world you're in some some cultures consider the number 13 lucky as in when you're in asia they consider the number four unlucky so it's all superstition of course but it's still kind of fun and people some people do take it seriously in fact i found on that same history channel article that apparently 10% estimated of Americans consider number 13 unlucky and even do things like don't even go to work 
on Friday the 13th. So there you have it there. So we're still doing this podcast, though. That's no superstitions or Friday the 13th is going to hold us back. All right. So before we move along here and tell you about some of those players that have worn number 13 in National Predators history and also some of the all-time NHL greats who have worn number 13, there's actually a lot of them and current players in the NHL who wear number 13. Before that, let's tell you about our new offer for DraftKings, the NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets, and DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. All right, so of course, the Tennessee Titans, they are in London this weekend to play the Baltimore Ravens. So they're going to have an early start, 9.30 Eastern time, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. So we're all going to be watching the Titans across the pond take on their bitter rivals, the Baltimore Ravens. And, of course, the Titans are coming off a really, really brutal and ugly loss against the Indianapolis Colts. So they really need to bounce back strong here. So that's what you can do there. I don't even know how to treat this game, but the Titans are one of those teams that always like to come back and bounce back strong after coming off a loss. So I would not even be against taking the Titans here as underdogs in this game against the Ravens. It would not surprise me, especially overseas. You never know what's going to happen. So that's what I got for you there on that matchup of Titans-Ravens. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets. When you bet, bet five on the NFL, that's code THPN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPENY. Or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensed partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 and up age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 160 Expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. DraftKings, promo code THPN, go do it. All right, let's get into this. Who Five players have wore the number 13 in Predators history. Let me go in chronological order here and start in 2001, 2002. The Predators were still infants in the NHL. Infants. I'm going to be very impressed with anyone who's watching on YouTube. Be honest if you want to comment in the comment section if you remember this player. Jerry Carolotti. Now, I looked at this guy's YouTube. He's got a YouTube channel, and a lot of it is in another language. I don't understand it, but he's got a pretty big YouTube channel, and if you want to look up some old school NHL fights and fights in other leagues around the world. This guy what is not someone to be messed with. Carolotti was uh, of course a defenseman for the Predators only for 15 games, recorded one assist, eight shots, averaged 18:41 of time on ice in his very brief stint with the Predators. I would be you you're one of the top Predators fans out there historically speaking, his true historian and encyclopedia for the Predators. If you Honestly, remember that player. 
Jerry Carolotti. I did not. I had to go look him up. But I do remember the other four. Let's move along to the next player to wear number 13 in Predators history. The unlucky number here on this Friday the 13th in 2023. Coming off some good vibes. The Predators beat the Kraken 3 to nothing. All right. How about our guy Nick Spalling? I think everyone remembers him if you started watching the Predators way back when. You've probably heard the name even if you weren't watching the Predators then. Nick Smalling, that guy was a great role player, a, a bulldog. He scored some big goals throughout. That was when the Predators really were starting to get the reputation of being a playoff team on a regular basis. So Nick Spalling plays 297 games with the Predators, 40 goals, 44 assists, eight game-winning goals, also contributed in the faceoff circle, 49.2% win rate in the faceoff circle, 133 blocks, 173 hits. Really, really solid career with the Predators wearing that unlucky number 13 for Nick Spalling. Let's move ahead quickly after that. 2014-15. Vaguely remember this player. I know he wasn't with the team very long. I do recognize the name. I vaguely remember him being on the team. Ole Jokinen. 48 games with the Predators, three goals, three assists, 52 hits, 14 blocks, 13-31 of time on ice. And now let's move to, I think, is the best player in Preds history out of these five. Not a long list, but the best out of these five to wear the number 13 jersey, and that is our guy Nick Benino, better known as Bones, also a great nickname. Nick Benino really enjoyed Benino while he played for the Predators. He came from the Stanley Cup winning Pittsburgh Penguins, was a really, really important piece for this Predators team when they were still a Stanley Cup contending team. And I really respected the way Nick Benino carried himself and played the game. Just a really strong, hardworking player, very much like I think about Colton Sissons, honestly. So Nick Benino from 2017 to 2020 wore the number 13 for the Predators. 219 games, 47 goals, 48 assists, Four game winner winning goals, 231 blocks. That is that jumped out of the pay on the page for me. 231 block shots in 219 games from a Ford. That is an insane number from Nick Minio. 231 blocks. That just sticks out. And then another number, which is a little bit more of a subjective statistic, but still sticks out off, off the page for me as well. 141 takeaways for Nick Benino. So it really shows that this guy was a two-way player, much like Colton Sissons is. Nick Benino also had a 52.8% face-off win rating, 16.09 of ice time, and was a Selk Trophy candidate for two of his seasons with the Predators. I mean, I like myself some Yakov Trenin, but I can't put Trenin ahead of Benino. Not yet. Not when we're looking at all this list here of these five players to wear number 13 in Preds history. Let me give you Yakov Trenin's current stats, though, and he's got time to build on that, and maybe eventually he'll pass Nick Benino in my mind. But it's close. But with Trenin, 225 games with the Predators in counting, 36 goals, 29 assists, 124 penalty minutes. So not afraid to go to the box, of course. Four game-winning goals, 13.45 of ice time, so a lot not used nearly as much on, on the ice as Benino was. 93 block shots, 504 hits for Yakov Trenin. 504 hits. Just wrap your head around that. 
225 games, 504 hits, and 101 takeaways for Trennan. So there you have it. There's your five players to wear number 13, the unlucky number 13. How about we look at some current players in the NHL, some great players who are wearing number 13. We've got Johnny Goudreau with the Blue Jackets, Matthew Barzell with the New York Islanders, Charlie Coyle with the Boston Bruins, Sam Reinhart with the Panthers, a pretty big one there. And my favorite one out of all these has got to be Brandon Tanev for the Seattle Kraken with the infamous mugshot player picture with his eyes just wide open. That's that's a good one, Brandon Tanev. Alexis Lafreniere is also wearing number 13 right now. So that gives you 12 current players in the NHL to wear to the number 13. So I know you wanted all of this useless history and current current trivia here about the number 13 in the NHL. But it is Friday the 13th, and I am coming to you with this quick episode, episode 204. So why not give you some history on the number 13 and the Nashville Predators? All right, let's move along here. Episode 204 presented by DraftKings, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, with your host, Chad Minton. The Predators next up have the Boston Bruins in Boston. That's going to be their toughest test out of the three so three games they've played so far. I think I know the, some people think the Boston Bruins might not be quite as good as their crazy run last year in the regular season with all the records they set in the regular season, but they're still the Boston Bruins. They still got posture knock. They still got a lot of players who will just light you up if your defense and your goaltending is not up to par. So I really can't wait to see just how far along the Predators are against a real, they're definitely the toughest opponent out of the three they've played so far, the Boston Bruins. That's coming up to you tomorrow on a Saturday. If you're listening the morning of on this Saturday, you just downloaded the podcast. Thank you so much for doing that. And uh, yeah, we'll wait and see what kind of lineup we see from Andrew Burnett. He's, he is stuck with the top line of, Forsberg, O'Reilly, and Parsonen. I would love for him to keep that top line. It's looking great. So let's stick with that. Let's see what else he does. I don't expect him to make too many changes. We did see Luke Shen dealing with a day-to-day lower body injury, so he did miss the game against the Kraken. We'll see if he gets inserted back in or if you give him more time to rest and you move forward with the defenseman you have. So we will wait and see. But Let's wrap up episode 204, this quick episode, quick edition on this Friday the 13th with the Central Division Rundown. Got a lot to cover here real quick in a quick amount of time around the Central Division. First of all, some big contract news. The Colorado Avalanche give a seven-year contract extension to Devin Taves worth $7.25 million AAV per Frank Saravelli. That is could turn out to be an outstanding bargain for the Avalanche front office. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who think that Taves is a top 10 defenseman in the NHL, and you just got him for seven years at $7.25 million AAV with the salary cap expected to go up over the next couple years uh, significantly compared to what we've dealt with the last couple years with pretty much a flat cap. So with more cap space coming up and you get the, you get that type of a player for under $8 million and he's locked up for seven years, I think it has the potential to be a home run signing 
for the Colorado Avalanche front office. The rich get richer. That's what I like to say. So good move there on paper there for the Avs. Uh, let's move along here. Dallas beats the St. Louis Blues in the shootout for their season openers. Big one there between those two teams to open their division slate. Of course, the Predators haven't played a division team yet, but that is a really significant win there for the Stars. I thought the Blues did well to push that as far as they did because a lot of people are down on the Blues this year, including myself. So the fact that they pushed that to a shootout against a team like the Stars who are considered a Stanley Cup prohibited favorite along with a handful of other teams – that's pretty impressive that the Blues can at least push it to a shootout and get a point. Dallas outshoots St. Louis 34-24, to but both teams go 0 for on the power play, so that's pretty interesting. Dallas went 0 for 4. St. Louis goes 0 for 3. Your goal scorers in this game, Jamie Benn gets the goal for Dallas, and for St. Louis, the goal goes to Tyler Tucker, defenseman. So there you have it there. You look at the goalies. You look at the stats here. Of course, we know the Stars have Matt Duchesne now, and he go he does not able to get a point in this game. Does register three hits in the game, gets in, the, in on the faceoff circle and does well, puts up almost 21 minutes of time on ice. So Matt Duchesne was still a big part of this game, but he does not register a shot on goal. That's a little concerning if you're a Stars fan. And then also former Predators player Craig Smith is also in this game, but he doesn't even get 10 minutes of ice time in this game, so doesn't play a huge role at all for Craig Smith. But yeah, the Stars get the 2-1 win in the shootout. There you have it there, a big division clash early in this season. And the shootout goals go to Jason Robertson, Matt Duchesne. Those are your two shootout Goals. So Matt Duchesne does prove his worth in the in, in the shootout. And we all know as Predators fans that Matt Duchesne is very, very good in shootout situations. So there you have it. And then of course, let's wrap up the Central Division rundown and episode 204 with the chosen one. Connor Bedard gets his first career goal for the Blackhawks in the NHL in their loss to the Bruins. A wraparound goal, a pretty goal. And not to mention that, but Bedard also recorded his first career point in the season opener for the Blackhawks. So he's already got two points in two games. He looks the part. There's no doubting that. The guy is, he's not overhyped at all. And the people who are getting upset that they're talking about him too much, I mean, come on now. The NHL hasn't had a poster child player like this since Connor McDavid. These players don't just grow on trees. He has a chance the way people talk about him, to eventually eventually, chase down the great one. I don't think he will, but it's so early. How do you know? I just think that Gretzky's records are untouchable, but that's way down the road. But Connor Bedard does get his first career goal. They do still lose to the Boston Bruins, but the Blackhawks did open the season with a win on opening night, a 4-2 win against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then they get beat 3-1 to one to the Boston Bruins in their second game of the season. But as we just said, Connor Bedard gets his first career goal. So good for him. Many more to come for, for Connor Bedard, as we know. Let's look at his stats in this game real quick, besides the goal 
Two penalty minutes for Bedard in this game. One hit. And look at that. That's what really stands out to me. Six shots on goal for Connor Bedard. I mean, the guy in almost 22 minutes of ice time, the guy is already just a top playmaker in the NHL, and he's literally played his second NHL game. So he looks the, he looks the part for sure. All right, that's your Central Division Rundown. We will get you another episode very, very soon as the season is upon us. The Predators again beat the Kraken to get the first one of the year. This has been yours truly, Chad Minton. Thank you for joining me. Part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Download Catfish and Ice wherever you get your podcast. Hit subscribe on our YouTube channel if you're watching right now on YouTube. Thank you so much. We will see you soon. Stay safe out there. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy some hockey. We'll see you soon. Take care.